Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. Ah. Today is Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day uh, in the U.S. Actually, kind of worldwide. I think it's becoming kind of global marketing phenomenon. Call me cynical. Um, so I'm going to talk about love today because I am a romance writer. I am a believer in love. I have some thoughts on it today. Uh, but first, uh, catching up on my news, I did finish my revision and addition to the Amethyst job new working title sent it off to my readers uh, so we shall see um, one of them one of the ones who has fresh eyes on this story and who rarely reads for me um, she is uh, a pretty tough reader i think um, and so and we're close friends so she often does not read my stuff i think so that she doesn't have to um think up <laughs> like lies <laughs> about it <laughs> but she said that she read the first page and it was gripping and well done so that was nice that made me happy huh um so i did almost i did all but one thing that agent sarah asked me to do and I had a little bit of a conversation with Jennifer Eastep about it. Uh, she's reading it for me, too, for the second time. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, my agent had asked me to end the sample because we're going out on spec. So it's it came out to like 98 pages, 24,000 words, 24,482. Uh, and she wanted me to add a chapter to end it a bit more on a cliffhanger and my problem is because i thought well i could do this she wanted to end on like something dangerous um and so i've asked my readers for thoughts on this but where i've ended is the act one climax and i could end you know probably earlier than that would work but I think I've built up and built up to this point and now it would actually be a ratchet down from here story-wise unless I just like totally make something up I don't know maybe I'll think of something maybe they'll think of something even better uh, but interestingly uh, Jennifer said her agent said the same thing about ending the sample on a cliffhanger so clearly this is something the agents are finding useful with the editors of course among the indies uh, there's the ongoing conversation about ending entire books on a cliffhanger and I think you all know I'm not much into cliffhangers except that I will acknowledge uh, Shadow Wizard I did end on as close to a cliffhanger as I would ever do certainly a romantic cliffhanger so many of you may be waiting 
<laughs> until I write the next book before you commit to reading that, which is understandable. I did get a comment um, from someone. Actually, it was on this podcast, so maybe you're listening. Uh, someone had said that they had hesitated, on that they loved everything I wrote, but hesitated on Shadow Wizard. And I was curious why the hesitation. Is it Jadron? Is it the cliffhanger? Inquiring minds want to know. Um, so love love and valentine's day i've been thinking about that a lot uh usually i'm fairly impervious to to valentine's day and i think i am still but it's been on my mind uh you know one thing about sort of losing a spouse to the slow um progress of chronic disease is that they become very much more inward uh and which is understandable right that's how you if i haven't mentioned or if you're new i have mentioned but if you're new to the podcast uh, my husband has parkinson's disease and he's 13 years into diagnosis and um really and we're just really seeing a lot more impact lately but you know, he was always very good about giving me something for Valentine's Day. I would give him things for Valentine's Day too, but you know, he was just very thoughtful that way, making sure that I felt loved and appreciated. And, you know, now he doesn't have that energy for it. You know, he doesn't really have as much ability to flow out. And I suspect this is probably true of people dealing with chronic diseases, right? You know, it's, it's all inward. It's, you know, so much focusing on uh, just getting through the day. You know, he'll often say that's that it takes all he has just to get through the day. So I have very low expectations, which is which is fine. But I've been thinking about sort of our our lifelong partnership. We just had our thirty second anniversary, which um, which we actually did not celebrate. Uh, I'm not sure he remembered and I didn't want to make a big deal about it. And so it's, um, you know, it's a funny place to be, but you know, looking back over our life together, you know, we've had this, this wonderful partnership, you know, this wonderful connection with each other where we've been a team and dealing with stuff. And it's partly been on my mind because, uh, we have family members whose marriage is struggling and I see ways in which they are not a team. And that that's part of the problem is that they are not, they're not on the same side of a major problem that they're dealing with and they're kind of turning on each other and that makes it harder, right? You know, who your partner is in life makes such a huge difference for your success and for your personal happiness, right? But I've also been thinking more about people who have multiple partners. And I have a good friend who uh, is polyamorous. Um, the first person I've ever been, uh, that I've known very well, who's polyamorous. And, uh, and they commented that 
and and they're in a polyamorous relationship where they you know sort of the ethical non-monogamy which i very much believe in in theory um i've never done it but uh one thing that they commented was that they could see only having sex with one person for the rest of their lives but not but that they couldn't give up never having that first date again or that first kiss um, never making that initial connection and which is interesting to me because that has just never been important to me in fact the firsts for me are very awkward I never liked dating um, the first dates were usually pretty miserable um, the first kisses are there's a spark to them a joy to them but they're also less they're also awkward sometimes um, they're less practiced than the later kisses and I was thinking in terms of this you know like understanding that my Clifton strengths that my number one strength is connection I think for me the the real joy isn't in those firsts but in the deepening of connection in the getting to know someone um, the the building of that connection with them so I was thinking about so I ran across something the other day about um, agape and versus eros and being two kinds of of love that the Greeks identified and actually the Greeks identified seven kinds of love uh, which I think is really useful because in Western culture um, maybe particularly American culture we tend to use the one word love to mean all kinds of things and and th and that's not the case we understand that it's not so I'm going to tell you about the seven kinds of love there's Eros, Philia, Storge, Agape, Ludus, Pragma, and Philoptia. So Eros is the romantic, passionate love. Philia is affectionate, friendly love. Storge is familial love, like for children or members of your family. Agape is selfless or universal love. Ludus is the playful for flirtatious love pragma is the committed long-lasting love and philoptia is self-love and I think this is interesting because looking at this my friend who loves the firsts probably prefers ludus as very much into that playful flirtatious love and possibly also eros the romantic and passionate love I think it's interesting that some people want to distill it down to just Eros versus Agape and Agape I think is really interesting to look at and it's kind of been um, taken over by the Christians in fact when I was first looking up so I could make sure to get my definitions right uh, all the initial Google searches give me biblical references or Christian things and they call it the love of God and uh, which I find irritating but you all know that I'm not a Christian so you have to give me a little bit of room on that although I know how to pronounce it because I grew up in an Irish Catholic family um, and we talk about 
agape in Catholicism, the love of God. Uh, incidentally, um, a bit of an aside, if you watch the Super Bowl, uh, as I did, there were a couple of those ads that were the, um, the Jesus ads, the, he gets us showing the scenes of violence and saying, you know, we need Jesus and all of this. And they went to some extent, uh, to some trouble to make it seem as if they were neither liberal nor conservative. And if you look up the, he gets his website, which we did because Megan and I were like, okay, who is shelling out high, high dollar? Cause you know, those are million dollar ads, right? Who's shelling out this money for the Jesus ads during the Super Bowl? Um, and forgive my cynicism there, but I didn't think that it was um, the people who are actually giving, practicing Christian values <laughs> and giving money to the, the poor and the needy and the deserving. Um, and sure enough, and it was interesting because the website says we are neither conservative we're neither right or left and we just want jesus and all this kind of thing and you have to it's like you have to go through the shell corporations you have to go through several levels um to discover exactly who is sponsoring this and it is the high dollar people and it is anti-lgbtq i'm not even going to say say it let me get it right lgbtq uh I imagine people practice saying that I should do that. Uh, plus plus asterisk. Uh, but it is anti-abortion anti it's all of the fundamentalist Christian stuff you would expect. So don't be fooled by the, um, he gets us campaign, uh, which is, I, I, you could kind of tell by looking at those ads because they were showing like the violent protests and everything. And Megan and I were trying to guess what the ad was for. And I'm like, is this black lives matter? But no, cause they weren't actually showing black lives matter, but instead they were showing demonstrations and violence as being a terrible thing and how we just need to listen to each other, which is a way of dressing up the oppressiveness of you may not protest the system. So anyway, um, I am deeply suspicious of the Christians having taken over agape. It doesn't have to mean love of God or love of Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus preached universal love and that's what agape is about. Um, and agape is another way of looking at the Tao. It's about loving the world, about being one with the world. Um, you know, we talk about philia, the love of friends, and how important that can be. Um, you know, our friendships, something I've been talking about a whole lot on here lately. You know, our friendships are what sustain us later into life, uh, where you may not have um, eros anymore. You know, if your spouse is, has a chronic disease, or you might not have storia. You know, if your adult children, uh, I have some friends whose um, adult children are estranged. So maybe you don't have that familial love anymore. Um, the ludus, the playful fl flirtatious love. I don't know. The first date, the first kiss. Uh, there's, there's a thrill to that. There's a fun to that. Um, 
and you don't even have to do anything to have the, the flirtatious love, right? Um, pragma, committed, long-lasting love. I think that's what I'm talking about that I have with David um, and that I have with, um, I don't know, Does is it also philia where you have the committed, long-lasting love? I definitely have a couple of women friends who have really made a commitment to deepening our friendship because I think we're all recognizing that this is what will carry us into our later lives. And, and there is a commitment there, you know, that if, that we will see this through, that we will be there for each other. And then Philoptia, the self-love, um, perhaps embodied by Miley Cyrus <laughs> with the, uh, I can buy my own flowers. Uh, I can love me better than you can. Uh, I don't, I think self-love is really important that we have to love ourselves before we can be loved. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Although I do love the romance trope that being loved by someone else enables us to love ourselves. If somebody else loves you, you can see your way through to loving yourself. Uh, especially if you've come from an abusive background in some ways where you've been taught to hate yourself uh, because other people have taught you that you are not worthy of love. Having someone come in and just let you know that you are worthy of love can make a huge difference, right? So um, I think that's worth thinking about on this day, which celebrates, um, well, let's, let's use our new words. Uh, it celebrates Eros primarily, right? And also Ludus, right? Pretty much the romantic, passionate love and also the playful, flirtatious love, perhaps a bit of pragma, the committed, long-lasting love. But there are other kinds of love that can be celebrated today too. And so I think that we can all um, settle into that and, and find ways to celebrate those kinds of love as well, especially if you're feeling like you are not getting the, the Eros that perhaps you want or the Ludus that is, can be so thrilling. Uh, and I think we're mostly going to be staying in. We have a lot of snow. It's a deep snow. I'll put up a photo on the uh, show notes, but this is one of the deepest snows we've had in quite some time. And it's, it's really quite beautiful. It's lovely out. So good day to stay in. I'm going to get back on Rogue Familiar and yeah, get to work on that. So I hope you all have a wonderful Tuesday. Um, I hope that you all are able to seek out and celebrate love in its many forms. You all take care. Bye-bye.